This is Your Own Best Company, a podcast for people who love to work alone. Hey there, everybody. Franklin Taggart here, and this is Your Own Best Company, a podcast for people who love working alone. And I am one of you, and um, there's nothing finer in my life than having a room with a door and all kinds of time to, to mess with my tools and my imagination. And uh, I honor and celebrate people who love that kind of thing as well as I do. Um, I'm going to introduce you today to uh, a person that I met. It's been a few months ago now. Uh, Billy Bross is someone that was introduced to me. Was it Kat Stancic that introduced us, Billy? Yes. And she thought that we would be a good... Uh, kind of a good match for both podcasting and other, other interests. Uh, Billy has been the Charlie Munger, <laughs> i.e. the behind the scenes guy to many successful entrepreneurs. Would you explain that reference to me? Because that's a, I am assuming that's a pop culture reference. <laughs> no, Charlie Munger is the guy behind the scenes of uh, Warren Buffett. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. He's sort of like the guy that no one really knows about. He's not big into the spotlight, but he does a lot of the things that helps out Warren. Excellent. So that, that helps me to understand. Um, Billy created a unique messaging framework that's caught on in marketing circles, but I also want to put a caveat on here and say that the messaging framework that Billy has created actually has a whole bunch other applications besides just marketing. And I think you're going to find it very intriguing as you, as you hear it explained. And this is one of my favorite things about you, Billy, that you're a certified beer judge. I think that's the most important thing about me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he left a career in the clean energy industry to run his beer brewing website. Um, recently got married and became a dad. It's been good for his solopreneur life. He needs that structure. And many of us can relate to that. Kids, for whatever reason, they do bring the structure, don't they, Billy? They do. Yeah. It's, uh, it's that old saying, discipline gives you freedom. <laughs> that's a fact, man. Yeah. You need a lot of discipline with kids. Well, tell me a little bit. Um, I, I'm assuming that you haven't always been um, this innovative uh, uh, five light bulbs guy. There, there's a history here, and I'd like to know a little bit more about the history that brings you here today. Yeah, well, uh, oh, first of all, thanks for having me, Franklin. Yeah, yeah excited man. for this chat. Yeah, I really enjoyed our first one, so pumped for the follow-up here. And no, the five light bulbs is a, more of a, a recent creation of mine. That's really me. I've been a marketing consultant for the past 10 years or so. And that's really me moving from Billy, the marketing consultant, and this guy who gives advice to people to shifting that onto a product, you know, something that has a standalone value, something that can outlast me and frankly doesn't need me. And yeah. as I mentioned, I like being the behind the scenes guy. So that's just fine with me. Yeah. So what is it about behind the scenes that you find most enjoyable? Well, you know, I, I'm trying to think of it, if it's just this context. I can tell you for this context first. I mean, what happened was I was in the energy industry, as, as you mentioned, and I started building this beer website on the side because I always have that I had that itch to do something on my own. I was just feeling very stifled at that yeah. company. It, it was great. I nothing bad to say about it. I had a lot of fun. It was very interesting. Um, I miss my coworkers there. But at a certain point, I hit a ceiling. It was a small company. I just said, okay, well, I had built this thing up on the side. 
it's making enough now, probably not, not enough like in hindsight. I'm like, I should have been making more from that website and had <laughs> more saved up before making the leap. But you know, you're in your twenties and you say, you know, and you get that feeling too. And you're like, I, I just got to go for this. And so I made the leap. Yeah. Uh, and then that was a lot of fun, but then, uh, eventually was ready to move on from that. And then I, and I had been working with these other entrepreneurs kind of doing something similar to what I was doing. Um, but even on, on a much bigger scale. Yeah. I remember one of the first websites, uh, people that I helped out, this guy, Matt, and he has a website for uh, for vegan and vegetarian athletes oh, cool! and like a really cool niche and much bigger than homebrewing and what I was doing. And he was having a lot of success with it, but I could still point to things because I, I really dive into topics. I, I love learning. I'm extremely curious and I, I tend to pick things up quick. And so I, I did that with the online marketing side of things after I left the energy industry. So I could say to Matt, hey, do these things and you'll have more success with it. And, and that was exciting for me. That was really fun to see his business then grow. So started doing that with other people. And yeah, that's how I became the behind the scenes guy, at least in that context. Yeah. And then you were, I mean, obviously, uh, beer is something that you probably had a, a passionate interest in at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I started in college as a lot of beer hobbies do. <laughs> so <laughs> I started brewing beer with my, uh, my roommate. Okay. Because we just thought it'd be a fun thing to do and to throw parties where we could serve our own beer. But then we went kind of two different directions where he he was just brewing it, you know, just to have like beer around. Yeah. I'm like entering competitions, diving to the science behind it, becoming a beer judge. Um, so again, I'm, I'm beer. I, I geeked out as well, just like marketing. Well, I live in the Napa Valley of beer in northern Colorado. So uh, we've got craft breweries on every corner pretty much. Well, we chatted about that. Yeah. And I mean, that's when, you know, when I, I was in my prime, my homebrewing prime, I was living in Denver. Oh, okay. And that, and that friend was living there too. And, right. um, and that was, that was so fun visiting all the breweries. I would get media passes because I had the website. So I I'd go into the great American beer festival there in Denver half an hour before the door is open. So by the time everyone gets in, I'm already stumbling around. Yeah. You've <laughs> it, was, already, it was a lot of fun. You've already filled your glass a few times then. Great I was American, doing, uh, I was doing reviews, you know, I was doing serious media business. So the, the website, the, the beer site went on for well, several years, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I ran it for about three more years after I left that full time job and then, okay. and then moved on. Mm -hmm. Now, talk to me a little bit about, you know, you, you kind of made your way into marketing. Was that kind of a natural progression or was that something you were trained for? What was it that, what was it that opened the door for that for you? I had everything, you know, it's like that saying, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. I think it's Steve Jobs yeah. and it's totally the case with me. I've always been interested in science, but then also the venture side of things too, like yeah. taking that and turning that into something useful in the world. And so I had a very unique major. It was called integrated science and technology. And it was a mix of different disciplines like biotechnology, renewable energy, manufacturing, uh, but it had a strong business component to it as well. Yeah. So we weren't just learning about an energy, for example, thermodynamics. We're also learning about uh, utility regulations and how they're regulated in the country, right? And how those business models work. Um, so I had a business background and I got my MBA after, after doing that, after that degree, yeah. And so, so, it, but it was funny because then when I came into the marketing world, online marketing, I was like, okay, well, I, I got my MBA, so I know what I'm doing, right? I can run this, I can run this little beer website, uh, but it was really hard. It was really hard. And the thing I, I didn't learn, I was good at like the more like 
ivory tower kind of business stuff, you know, finance and accounting and management, but the sales marketing side, it was completely new to me. Yeah. And that's just something that they didn't, they didn't teach us. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Not surprising, but yeah. (laughs) And yet it's so much of what we do as business people. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's always, no one, no one, I don't think like many people love sales. Right. And like, and salesmen, like who has the worst stigma than a salesman? Um, But there's a lot of freelancers out there and self-employed people, solopreneurs who need to do sales. Yeah. But no one really, so, but it's kind of, it's looked down upon. So you're not going to see Stanford, you know, doing a whole lot with like real sales, sales that really works from like, you know, like boots on the ground salespeople who who might not even have a high school education who could crush the Stanford people in selling. They're just not going to lower themselves to that level to bring in real sales training. Very, very true. So in the midst of all of that, you started to realize that there were some gaps, not only in what people knew, but in some of the tools that they had and some of the, some of the ways that they needed to understand that kind of communication. Can you tell me how you, how you came upon the idea of the five light bulbs? Yeah. So within, I call myself a a T-shaped marketer. So I have a broad skill set, but then really zeroed in on, on messaging. Yeah. And uh, I've always really been into language and, and words and, and writing. And then when I saw that I could combine that with this venture side of things, like starting a business entrepreneurship, uh, I also like simplicity and I like the idea that I can just rewrite a headline instead of adding new software and get the yeah. results that way. I was like, that's much easier than a new plugin. Let me just write a better sentence, right? It's so much simpler. (laughs) So I got really into So I learned about copywriting. That was the thing I said, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't know about this before. Yeah. Uh, So you can kind of connect the dots then between that and this messaging slash copywriting framework, the five light bulbs. I was working with clients, started doing group programs and needed to compact everything, you know, into something solid that people could use a tool versus me starting them from scratch, kind of bringing them up to speed and making them into copywriting experts, which they don't need to be. Can you tell me a little bit about where you came across? I mean, who were some of the copywriting teachers that you looked to, uh, or some of the, some of the programs or, or different courses or things like that, that you may have run across that you found helpful as you were learning. It's quite a cast of characters. You know, you study, it could be a good documentary about, advertisers and direct response copywriters. There's some very interesting, I know you've interacted, you know, in that world. Yeah. Uh, they're very interesting people, you know, people like, uh, like Gary Halbert. Oh yeah. I mean, what, a, what, a, what a character he was. And, uh, and I got to meet his sons and, uh, yeah. And, and very smart, very interesting people. And, you know, and they, and they understand, they understand people really well. Like copywriters understand people very well. So like people like Gary Halbert, People like uh, David Ogilvy, yeah. uh, Claude Hopkins, and some of the older ones. Uh, John Carlton had yeah. the pleasure of meeting him once. Uh, so yeah, there's a. Uh, I'm looking at Victor Schwab's book, oh, that, um, How to Write a Good Advertisement. That's the great one, and that was the first one I hired. A, um, I like I like I like coaches and yeah. consultants and experts who can help me. So when I realized copywriting was the thing, I went out and I, and I hired a really good copywriting coach, a guy named David Garfinkel. Oh yeah, I love David. Um, his yeah, podcast, you know yeah, his podcast is one of my favorites. I, I listened to almost every episode. He's just an amazing guy. He's awesome. Yeah. Garf is awesome. He, he taught me a lot. And so, so I, I gotta, I gotta throw him in there as well. Absolutely. 
Tell me a little bit about one of the things that you just said that I find very interesting mm. is that you, you kind of hinted at the idea that people really don't have time to become great copywriters or yeah. something along that line. Yeah. It's like, and, and yet this kind of communication is really central to almost all of our messaging as business people. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I really appreciate about your framework is that it makes, it makes good writing accessible to a large number of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd really love to get into a little bit more of the nuts and bolts now of the five light bulbs. Mm -hmm. Um, but first of all, tell me about how did it come to be known as the five light bulbs? Strangely. Yeah. Very strangely. I, um, you know, it, it was the, it is the, I don't know, 20th iteration of something I had been working on. Yeah. And I, and I, I was kind of mishing, mashing together other frameworks. And I, I was using this one that I, I think I learned it first from Ryan Dice, a digital marketer and the, the classic bridge metaphor. Yeah. Your prospect is on one side of the bridge and your product is the bridge that can connect, connect them to the other side, which is where they want to be. Uh, and, and then what I started doing, I, I, I have kind of a computer programmer's brain. And so what I would do is I would, and I'm also very visual. So I was drawing the bridge with my clients and with some of these small groups on zoom. And on the left-hand side of the bridge, I would start writing a bunch of words related to the problems that their customers were experiencing. So if it's homebrewers, it's something like bad tasting homebrew, that homebrew flavor. That's a classic phrase. No one wants that because it like implies it was made in a bathtub. <laughs> Uh, and then on the right-hand side of the bridge was the, the stuff that they want and words associated with that. So it tastes store-bought. Yeah. You can say that you made this recipe yourself, things like that. And then so the, and then the bridge is the thing that connects the two. Yeah. And, and there are uh, formulas, copywriting formulas that, that you can use that utilize these, you know, computer programming, they would call them like variables, right? These inputs. Yeah. So then you can say something like how to stop brewing beer that tastes like junk and start brewing beer that tastes store-bought. Yeah. And uh, and that really worked for people. They really liked that. You know, like even something as, it, it's very humble, right? Like it's not some grand thing that we're creating. It's just a simple headline. Yeah. But if we can just like answer these questions and plug them into a structure, oh man, we can write copy. Yeah. As you were, as you were, you know, figuring this out and, and, and working it out, um, where was your, like... And I kind of envision a, a cauldron where you're, where you're throwing all the recipe in there mm -hmm. and you're trying things that work. What was that cauldron for you? I think, I think it's my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all kind of, it's all kind of swirling around. Well, and then where the light bulbs came from then. So I was, um, I was preparing for uh, a round of a, a new program that I had launched. I wanted to update the curriculum and update that module, which was just one module out of a handful. And that was the, the messaging module, which I always felt like was, again, the most important thing, your messaging, yeah. more important than whether you post on Facebook or whatever. So I, I had I literally had some, um, some drawing paper and colored pencils and I was drawing this whole thing with the bridge. And then, and then I was trying to, I, I was trying to answer the question, well, okay, we can make someone a promise and, but they might say, well, okay, I don't, I don't believe you. Right. Like yeah. you're making this grand promise. So how do you connect the dots between the left-hand side of the bridge and the right-hand side of the bridge? There needs to be something in between. Yeah. 
And I had um, from the Eugene Schwartz, by the way, is another huge influence on me. He wrote oh, yeah. Breakthrough Advertising, my maybe favorite. the best copywriter ever. Yeah, yeah. phenomenal. My, my favorite marketing book of, of all time. Is it? Okay, cool. So you'll get this then. Yeah. So yeah. he, you know, in that book, he talks a lot about belief building. Yeah. And it's the idea that if someone, you have to ask yourself the question, what does my customer need to believe in order to buy? If, if someone doesn't believe that uh, sanitation is important yeah. and, and homebrewing, which is cleaning your equipment and all that, then they're probably not going to buy a guide on how to do that well, right? Like you need to prove that that is important for them in order yeah. to even consider your product. doesn't matter how many discounts you give. You can, you can slash the price in half. And if they don't believe that, they're not going to buy. Yeah. So the idea is to sell those beliefs before selling the product. And so I was kind of teaching that also sort of like if here was the, the, that bridge metaphor I was teaching, and then here was the belief building stuff I was teaching kind of separately. Yeah. It, one moment, I, I remember this moment sitting at my desk overlooking the San Diego Bay and they just kind of merged together. And then like literally the light bulb came on and, and I drew these five light bulbs and, and that was it. And yeah. it was never six and it was never four. I was like, okay, that's, that's them. And that was, that was the aha moment. Again, it was kind of creepy. Well, it's it's great that you had light bulbs for your aha moment. I think that that's a fitting. I, I, I was fitting. I always say how meta my life is. So I was like, <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that's really curious about me or about what you've said here to me mm -hmm. um, is I don't think that we very often think about working in the area of people's beliefs when we're when we're crafting a message. And I think very often one of the things that we're really, you know, looking at trying to do is to, you know, kind of stimulate some kind of a sensory reaction. Mm -hmm. And we're not really working up there in that area of, you know, I need this, I want this, this is gonna do this for me. Um, I don't know how conscious we are of that, but that kind of messaging can bring that kind of consciousness about. That's one of the things that I find compelling about that is that that makes this different from most other uh, copywriting frameworks that you hear, because most of those are kind of working on eliciting an emotional response first. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little bit curious about that. Do you find that uh, there's, there's a need to, to bring the emotion in at a certain point, or is that something that kind of corresponds with what, what's tied to the belief. Oh, they're connected. Yeah. I definitely think that they're connected. Yeah. So, um, I'll try to give you an example. This might not be the best one, but okay. if we go back to, I, I think about it, like the light bulbs are the point that you're trying to get across. Yeah. It's a claim that you're making. So for example, uh, light bulb one, which is, represents empathy. That's yeah. the, the customer status quo. It's the language of empathy you need to get across the point that I understand you. Okay. Like me, the company or the seller or the entrepreneur, I get you and I get what you're going through. And that's kind of step one to understand what to sell them or what to create for them. You need to understand where they are now. Yeah. Um, okay. So that, that's the point that you're trying to get across the, the claim that you're making. Then, then there's the question of how do you get that point across? Where does the rubber meet the road? What is that? What's the email that you send? Yeah that gets that point across. And you might tell a story, you might tell your own personal story of hardship that has a lot of emotion in it. Yeah. So that's where the emotion comes into play. It's in that how the packaging, how you deliver it. 
And what I, what I like about the framework and what people tell me that they like is that it, it does both those things. It, it can have the emotion. And by the way, that's also where the creativity step takes place too. how you get that point across. Because just telling someone, I understand you, right? Like, you know, it's not very creative and they're not going to accept it. You have to let people have their own ahas, right? Where they go, oh, wow, the person like really does understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um. So those two things, like the creative side of the message and the emotional side of the message, that's more in the, the how you say it, like the way it actually shows up on the, the page. Um, but sort of embedded within that is that core point that you're trying to get across. Yeah. I, I like it into lawyers, you know, how a lawyer makes an argument yeah, and, and they'll have a claim that they're making, but then they'll prove it with storytelling and with evidence and all, there's all sorts of forms of evidence. And a lot of that is uh, emotion driven. Yeah. So you might picture that scene, that, that, that bridge. And, and if you go to the website, I, I partnered up with an amazing illustrator, Matt, who really brought this to life. I don't know if you've seen this, Franklin, it's a little more recent with, with the, the characters. And, and this is fivelightpost.com slash framework. And, uh, and if you want to follow along, there's a worksheet here. It's not behind an opt-in or anything. You can just download the PDF. Okay. Uh, but let me, should I zoom in? Is that better? Should I zoom in a little? Yeah. Just whatever it, uh, either. I want to make sure you can, can see the illustration. Yeah. Don't worry about the, the text. I'll, I'll do that part, but yes, yeah, so you can see the, yeah, it's different for sure. I mean, we have a whole world we created. There's a bear, there's an owl. I wanted yeah. to make something different for marketing and, and fun and approachable because it's often not those things. Yeah. So we have the the status quo and that's where you're, that's light bulb one. That's where your customer is now. And, and so that represents a place that they, they don't want to be anymore. Yeah. Uh, and that's important because if you're targeting someone and you know, this Franklin from breakthrough advertising, you can't create demand. You can only channel existing demand. Yeah. So there needs to be the person who you're speaking to through this messaging. There needs to be some kind of attention there. Uh, if not, then you want to move on to someone who does have that, someone who you can help. Yeah. So this is the language of empathy. So light bulb one type of language is speaking to the problems that they're having, maybe reasons why they're they're having these problems, and maybe even what might happen if they don't solve their problem. We don't want to be manipulative, but you do want to be clear with them. You know, a lot of people will ignore something. I know we do we do this all the time, especially men with our our health. Uh, so you want to kind of be like a doctor and be like, look, here's what you might expect to happen if this doesn't, if this goes unresolved. Very good. So light bulb one is their status quo. Correct. All right. And then light bulb two. So think about it like a story. And this is really the story of a human making a decision. There's a, a place where we are now that we want to move away from. And then we have a decision tree in front of us. Yeah. And so that phase is represented by light bulb two, which you can see here. So you can see now we have the owl who represents the, the entrepreneur or the company because an owl has great vision and can often see things that the customer can't see the customer. That's why it's a bear. Bears are very close to the ground. They can't, they can't see it like the owl can. They don't have that perspective. Right. Uh, and you can see the other bridges, the broken bridges here representing what the customer has tried before. But and what you want to do is, is speak to those other bridges, speak to their other options and explain why or why not. They might not be the, they might be a good fit for the customer. Okay. So then we come down to light bulb three. I think this is a really, as I say here, a really interesting one. This is actually, I got from Eugene Schwartz. This is his idea of the mechanism. Yeah. Or sometimes called the unique mechanism. But it's the thing that makes your product work. 
So in, in this case, it's the reinforcements on the bridge. You can see the owl pointing this out and uh, the bolts on the bridge. So it's the thing that leads to the benefit that your customer is seeking. And okay. uh, this, this is a powerful one. If, if, and you know, if, if you want to see this one in action, go to the, go to Barnes and Noble and go to the business book section. And all those covers are just popping with light bulb three, all the atomic habits, chicken soup okay. for the soul. They're all light bulb three. What Schwartz found is that where you use light bulb three is in a really competitive market. Yeah. So if you're, if there's a, if you're in the weight loss market and everyone is saying, lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. You can't just say lose weight. Yeah. So what you see is people shift their messaging from light bulb five, which we'll get to in a sec, but that's spoiler alert, the, the thing that they want, <laughs> uh, to light bulb three, which is the mechanism. So you see a headline that's lose, lose weight with the paleo diet or lose weight with high intensity training. Yeah. Um, so I think if it were that example, the business book section, and you only had a promise and it was a common promise, it probably wouldn't do very well. If it were a unique promise people hadn't heard before, then that might do well. All yeah. Right, an next important light, bulb, one. light bulb number four. Yeah. So this is, this is going to feel the most familiar to, to most people. This is the language around your offer around your product. So this is language around the pricing, around the guarantee, any perks or bonuses that they may be, how the product is delivered. And, and, and so people often find relief when they, they see this because I, I say, look, you might feel like you've been stuck in light bulb four, only pitching your product and talking about the product, especially for the people who I work with who are not marketers first. Yeah. They tend to be like subject matter experts first or more techies that have to do marketing often reluctantly yeah. <laughs> and they don't want to just talk about the product the whole time. Um, so when I see, see that, that that's only 20% of the whole thing, that's often relief for them. Uh, it, it is important though. You know, it's, it's, it's only one light bulb, but of course you got to have an offer. What, how do they communicate the risk reduction? How do they communicate the terms and how the product is delivered? And how does that, you know, how does that, build on what they've already used to describe their product? Mm, yeah, good question. Well, one thing I recommend everyone do is like, once you see the, these light bulbs, you're going to start seeing them everywhere. Yeah. And so study what other people do and study how offers are made. And, and you'll see, you'll be reading these, these product pages and say, oh man, that's light bulb four copy right there. And, and start a little swipe file, take a screenshot of it and put it in a folder and call it light bulb four. And then you can start to see what you like and, and what you don't like and gravitate more towards what you do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say that the main, the main thing with the offer is to think about it more holistically and you know, how is this, how does all, all these components, cause there's all these components in it. Like, like you were mentioning the price, the price reduction, uh, guarantees and all that, but how does that all kind of like flow upwards into supporting the overall promise that you're making? Yeah. So how does that bonus support that overall promise? How does the, the pricing support that overall promise? So you really want to look at it individually, but also holistically too. Very cool. So the offer is light bulb number four, and then we've got one more fifth light yes. bulb. The other side of the bridge. Yeah. The, the happy place for the bear. Yeah. I can yeah. see here the, the birds are chirping and the, the sun is blue <laughs> or sorry, the, 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 <laughs> the sun, sun is yellow. Yeah. The sky is blue. Uh, that, that's, that's a different illustration. Cool. But yeah, this, so this is, this is the promise. This is the, this is the thing that the customer wants 
And, um, and, you know, often this is missed too, again, going back to who I often work with subject matter experts, they, they get very close to the product and, uh, and often forget that they, they think it's implied, like the benefits are implied and forget that yeah. they need to connect the dots between usually that light bulb three, right? How the thing works. And then the light bulb five, that's a really important point to connect those dots between them, between all of them, to be honest. Very cool. So one of the things that I love about uh, light bulb five is that it, it's actually, I mean, it's about a future reality, but it's about something that people can imagine right in the moment. So you're describing something for them. That's a future possibility, but you're making it real for them right now. Um, how, what are some ways that you do that? Well, vivid writing is really a key to this whole thing. Yeah. Going back to what I was saying earlier about what you say and how you say it, the how you say it part is really important. And you don't want to say the word flower when you can say the word red rose. Yeah. So being very specific in your writing, like using specific nouns, uh, using a lot of verbs, motion, not a huge fan of adjectives, but that it's, it's really the writing piece. That's how you, that's how you bring something to life. And, and Schwartz had a quote about that too, that I really liked. If I can remember it, like you want to you want to present a showcase for your product, like a showcase on fifth Avenue. And you don't want that glass to become dirty or cloudy because then they're not going to see what's in shot and what's inside. So you really want to have that thing crystal clear. And when, when it is, then you have these vivid images on the other side of the glass. So you want to do the same exact thing just with your writing, which is totally possible. It's not easy, but it's possible. Yeah. Well, this is a fascinating framework and I, I really appreciate how you've taken Eugene Schwartz's work and translated it into uh, a simple format that people can use uh, right off the bat. The, one of the things that I mentioned earlier is that I see that there are a lot of places where the same framework can be used besides just marketing. And the reason that I said that was because this is basically a way that humans persuade each other. And you're, you know, you're finding uh, people persuade each other in all kinds of situations. And the one that came to my mind as you were, uh, as you were, you know, uh, highlighting the, the different steps of the framework, the different light bulbs was that this is a, this is a conversation that you have with your partner about going out to dinner. Mm -hmm. It's like, are you hungry? You know, there's light bulb number one. Yes, mm -hmm. I'm hungry what sounds good or what doesn't sound good, right? The things that they've tried before, right? Yeah. And then you've got your suggestion. Well, the thing that's really on my mind is I'd really love to go to the Indian buffet, mm -hmm. you know? And then um, the next one of, you know, uh, of figuring out the the offer, like what, what, let's go to a specific restaurant. Let's go over there because I know that you like the, the non that they have with their buffet. And, um, and I also like the, you know, I like the bartender there and it's a, it's a great place to just, you know, relax and enjoy our dinner. So it's like you, you know, your fourth light bulb of, of making the offer interesting and compelling, you know, is yeah. there. And then you help them imagine the fulfillment of that. Doesn't that sound great? Doesn't it sound good to, you know, go over to Star of India and enjoy some, you know, some wonderful uh, Chana Batura and uh, some cocktails? Let's go, you know? Yeah, so there's some music, there's some wine. You could have a lot of fun with that copy, <laughs> for sure. 
So you're going through the same five steps in that in that discussion, but it's not something necessarily that you're going through consciously. And I think that that's, that's one of the things that the people who, who believe that they struggle with sales don't realize is that they already have a natural propensity for persuading people. And it's interesting to me that the framework follows pretty much the same five steps that most people would would do when they're persuading someone to go along with a plan. Like, yes, yeah, I, I don't think that I'm inventing something. I think I'm more so revealing something that's already there, that, yeah. that's very universal uh, among all humans. And you're right, you can use it. I mean, I totally got to write a book, Five Light Bulbs for Married Couples, because you could totally <laughs> use it for that. I use it with my wife all the time. Yeah, uh, you know, and and it's it's a little checklist, you know. Especially, I think most people struggle with light bulb one, and yeah. your spouse comes in and they've had a rough day, and you, uh, you know, I'm a consultant, so I immediately want to jump into solving the problem. But I, I do, I really do remind myself, light bulb one. Okay, tell me about it. Yeah. Like sometimes they just want to hear it. That sucks. Like I'm sorry, you had a, a hard day. Yeah. People just want to be acknowledged. So it's, um, yeah, definitely more than a marketing framework. It's a human communication framework that you can even use on yourself. Five light bulbs for, for parents. Yeah. Oh man. And, you know, just think about how that could, um, affect the, the power struggles that naturally occur between parents and children. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting proposition. I feel some experimentation coming on. I think um, so too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to do a research project on this. <laughs> Billy, as you were speaking and explaining the framework, um, first of all, thank you for the detail. And I, I also appreciate your generosity and your, in, in the way that you're sharing it so freely online, um, and people can access it and start to understand it and put it to use. There are a couple of things that came to mind as you were, as you were speaking. And a lot of the folks that I work with and a lot of the folks that this particular podcast appeals to are people who are creatives like authors, artists, uh, some musicians and things like they're, they're in roles like that. And one of the things that comes up over and over and over again as a struggle for them is that they don't understand the appeal that their work has to other people and where it fits in. And can you talk a little bit about how the five light bulbs uh, framework might help those folks communicate the value of what they do in a way that potential customers could see their work differently or that might actually make their work more appealing um, to a potential consumer? Yeah, I, light bulb three comes to mind for me. That's a really interesting one. A lot of people think that there is a right answer for that one. Like yeah. if I find the thing, like the right light bulb three, it's like that's the one that's going to make all the money. But the cool thing about that is that it's very, it's very customized to you. And, and, and it's like this relationship between you, your approach, and there's a perfect person who that is for, who, who your approach is for. Uh, you know, you mentioned music and um, Seth Godin has a good example about this. And he talks about two piano teachers. Yeah. And so two light bulb threes might be, okay, for one piano teacher is teaching via uh, teaching the scales and music theory. And then another piano teacher might teach the the fun way, teaching pop songs and, hey, what are your favorite songs? And we'll learn that way, right? Yeah. And someone might, a new piano teacher might ask, well, what's what's the one? Like, what's that? What's the light bulb three? What's one that's going to make me the most money? And it's like, well, 
which one do you like? <laughs> like there needs to be a market for it. Okay. Yes. Like there needs to be enough people who want to learn via the, the theory and via the, the, the pop charts. Um, but assuming that that's there, you know, choose the one that's most authentic to you because that's the one that you're going to put the energy into. And, and yeah. if you try to fake it, you're not going to, you're going to burn out because you're not enjoying it. Can you talk a little bit about what, what are some of the most surprising things that you've seen come out of this as you've taught it to people? Mm, yeah, a big one has been that it's become, I'll, I'll hear things and I hear people talking about it and they'll say, oh man, that's a great light bulb three email or, Hey, like, do you have any good light bulb two ads? And yeah. so it's really become a common language that, that people speak to people who have learned it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really just made things more fluid and just more friction free when it comes to getting marketing done. So that, that's been a very nice surprise. So you're starting to see that it's giving a, a, people a way to talk about the different stages of the communication and all the different components of it. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, and the great thing is that, like I said, it's, it's universal. Yeah. Right? It's, it's not like, like I more so revealed this thing that made it up. So that can work. That, that can be a universal language about marketing. And that, that's exciting to me. I think one of the things that also uh, I'm really appreciating about it is that it um, it kind of humanizes the, the communication process again. And I think we we get presented with so many tools and tactics and you know different ways of structuring things that a lot of times we take out that kind of human component of it. And I think that the five light bulbs brings that back to you know brings us back to that in a very organic and natural way. Um, if someone is interested in really internalizing this, um, certainly I want to send them to the website, five, five lightbulbs.com. And if you do the slash framework, you'll go right to the, the framework that Billy just shared with us. But, um, if they want to work with you a little bit more on, on internalizing and strengthening these skills what what would they need to do next yeah well i have a, a good amount of content on the website that's totally free and yeah. then yeah i do sell stuff related to this this is my business this is the thing I'm, I'm focused on now so i've shifted all my consulting to now consulting on the five light bulbs so there's certainly consulting available uh we have a cohort-based course that we run and that's a lot of fun because that's actually really good for this type of a thing because you get to be in a breakout room with a few people and bounce your messaging and your light bulbs off of them yeah. and man like the ability to have other bit smart business owners give you feedback encouraging feedback and honest on your messaging it's just we've, we're finding that really valuable and all of that can be um found at fivelightbulbs.com um is there anything else that you'd like to to make sure that people are aware of before we're done well, I'll just go back to what you said about making it human. That, that's the key thing. And that, that's really what, that's the philosophy behind all this is just making marketing more human and it doesn't have to be weird. And it's just a conversation with someone. Very good. My last question for you is beer related. Um, are you a hop head or a not a hop head? <laughs> I'm a malt head. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but that only out of rebellion because when i was in colorado it was easy to find malty beers but here in southern california it's just the land of ipas always always yeah so I'm, I'm trying to swing the pendulum back the other direction yeah 
So how long has it been since you've been to a GABF? Too long. Yeah. Too long. But they, they are, they're doing the National Homebrew Competition. They just announced it in San Diego this year. Oh, cool. So I'm going to judge at that, and that is going to be a lot of fun. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, folks, you've been uh, listening to Billy Bross, and Billy is the, uh, uh, the originator of the five light bulb framework for communication. And again, came out of the world of marketing, but it's got a whole lot of other implications that uh, each one of us could study in our own right for a good number of years uh, to master. Billy, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you so much, Franklin. You've been a great host. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, folks, uh, I want to thank you for your time and your attention, your two most precious commodities. Uh, thank you for sharing them with me. And um, it's always appreciated when you subscribe, when you share, and when you review your own best company. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to your own best company. If you enjoyed the show, would you do me a favor and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast host? If you really love it, leave me a review or share it with your circles. If you feel like your career is reaching a dead end or you're feeling a deep sense of dissatisfaction in your work right now, I help people discover their gifts and then find or create new opportunities that are the best fit for their talent, experience, and lifestyle. Email me at coaching at franklintaggart.com for more information. I also help people start, finish, and launch creative projects, and I offer an ongoing marketing mastermind for solopreneurs and freelancers. More information on these programs and services can be found at franklintaggart.com. Thanks again for spending this time with me.